It is with great excitement that we welcome you back to Senior Moments with Bob Johnson after an extended and unplanned hiatus. We, like you, remain restricted by the coronavirus pandemic, but have also encountered some unforeseen additional obstacles since our last encounter. We will address that further momentarily. Given these trying times, we are all in need of some levity and distraction. For now, our spirits are high, our pathway is clear, and our pleasure is immense as we offer your mentor and host, Bob Johnson, with episode 14 entitled, Idioms from the Edge. Bob, it's great to be back and great to have you here in Studio B. Our last episode was approximately four months ago, which is certainly attributable in part to the COVID pandemic. Let us start by requesting an update on how you, your wife, and family have fared through this difficult ordeal. I'm happy to report that everyone in my immediate and extended family has been able to avoid uh, getting involved with this pandemic, this nasty virus that's floating around. And uh, at this point, with vaccination on the horizon, we're hoping that that will continue to be the case. I alluded earlier to some additional tribulations that we've encountered further impacted the uh, podcast delay. Would you care to elaborate a little bit for our audience? Well, I just assume not go into a lot of detail, but let's just say that uh, I have learned in the months since our last uh, podcast that uh, a kidney stone, uh, or kidney stones plural, uh, is not a case of uh, a walk in the park or anything to be sneezed at. And you'll notice I just used a couple of idioms peculiar to the English language. We'll be talking more about those as we go along today, and I'm happy to report that uh, the kidney stone problem seems to be well under control. As soon as I can throw away these darn masks, I'll be a lot happier at camper. As will we all, I think. Not all of the recent events, however, have been troublesome. Since our last podcast, both you and your bride have celebrated some milestone birthdays. We wanted to congratulate you both. Well, thank you. That's very nice. I never expected to uh, get uh, this old, but uh, I'm happy to... uh, report that my whole life has been, uh, for the most part, a wonderful experience, and I have no uh, reservations about uh, where we're headed from now on. Well, that's, that's quite an achievement. Now, turning to today's subject, let us begin with the actual title, Idioms from the Edge. We appreciate that you, as an author and business executive, community leader, and a family patriarch, have always been a champion of the spoken and written word. You're going to have to uh, use your powers to explain to us your choice of today's topic. How in the world did you arrive at this subject, and what is the subject? 
Well, during the course of my long life, it's, uh, I've been uh, astonished at the many idioms in use in the English language. An idiom, as I would describe it, and you'll do better looking in your dictionary, or would uh, be that uh, an idiom is succession of words which convey a meaning, but which in themselves have no meaning. Uh, let me uh, pick an example of what I'm saying. Uh, I'd like to, uh, you and I are going to wrap this up with one fell swoop. Well, what in the world is a fell swoop? We know that means, the combination of words means uh, in a hurry, but one fell swoop, it sounds like something that would fly in the window and flutter around and then swoop on out again. Uh, in another word, uh, okay. What does that mean? What, it, it has many uses. Okay, uh, how are uh, we doing today? Or okay, let's move on. Or that's a real okay girl. You, you hear that word? I, I think that happens to be the most commonly used word in English language. Today, we're going to try to run down through a bunch of uh, uh, idioms uh, and maybe even touch on metaphors and uh, similes very briefly. This is not a grammar lesson. I'm not an English uh, expert by any means, but uh, it just struck me that people might enjoy hearing some of the many unusual expressions in the English language that, uh, that I've come up with. Your list of examples is uh, quite enormous, and I'm very impressed. And I thought we could simply go through that list, perhaps one by one, and have you comment on either the origin, if you're aware of that, the meaning, or any other uh, input that you might have regarding that phrase. We've sort of categorized these somewhat, and the first category would be animal expressions. Tiger by the tail. Well, I think uh, most of us can just imagine what that might be like because most tigers would not care to have you by the tail. Yet, if you, you know that if you let go, the tiger's going to turn around and consume you, but hanging on uh, has a very short history because you can only hang on for so long. So there's an expression which is particularly good for expressing a situation where it doesn't seem like there's any way to get, escape from it. How about bug out? I have no idea where that one came from. I, I, it was very popular during the war. Uh, if a particular uh, military unit should uh, try to retreat when they weren't expected to, it was known as a bug out. But uh, who invented that one, I cannot imagine, but I think most people know what it means. Dog tired. Well, dogs uh, can get very tired. They spend a lot of their time sleeping. Uh, I, I think probably this is one of the many idioms that uh, it's pretty obvious where that one came from. You obviously have not met your granddaughter's puppy. <laughs> In a pig's eye. <laughs> Cannot imagine where that came from. I suppose some farmer back in the days when uh, early days of uh, domestication of, uh, of animals, uh, somebody uh, came up with that expression. I guess it means, uh, I don't believe you, but but uh, I, I can't really think, can't imagine where it came from or who, who, who invented that particular one. When donkeys or pigs fly. <laughs> that one is a fairly recent origin, in my opinion. At least I only heard it in the last 10 years. And it's one way of saying it just isn't going to happen. If you happen, it may happen when, pig, when uh, donkeys fly, but uh, it's not going to happen. Get off your high horse. It's interesting to me the number of these expressions that come from 
uh, horse category. We'll have some more for you. And it, I guess it reflects the fact that for, until the internal combustion and steam engines were invented, man was entirely dependent on mostly on horses and to some extent on mules for labor. I recently heard that a horse has 10 times the kinetic energy of a human being. So a horse can pull a plow, and that was the only way to do it before they invented the tractor. Other expressions have to do with the, with the horse as well, but uh, getting off the high horse was just a way of saying, hey, quit uh, pushing me around. Along that theme, there's also stop horsing around. <laughs> Apparently horses, uh, before they were uh, tamed and uh, brought to uh, the harness and the bridle, were, were jumping around a lot. And I guess that's where the expression came from, that uh, you start acting uh, in such a way that uh, you're, you're not really getting down to brass tacks. That, there's another one for you. <laughs> True. Uh, that that's, uh, that, that's another horse expression, that, and there are several. Never look a gift horse in the mouth. This one comes, obviously, from the days when people sold horses to one another, and I guess they still do, even though... Today, the horse is more a matter of recreation than it is of, uh, of uh, pulling a plow or, or uh, carrying people around. But apparently, uh, the idea is if somebody gives you a gift, don't uh, try to make fun of it or analyze it at the spot. A gift is a gift, and one should be gracious about it. Because if you buy a horse and you look in the mouth, that, that you're trying to find out how old it is because uh, apparently the horse's age is determined by the condition of its teeth. So if somebody makes a gift to you, don't look in the mouth and, and uh, say, well, gee, this isn't a very good horse. As long as it's a gift, be nice about it. Hair of the dog. <laughs> Anyone who has ever had more alcohol on any given occasion uh, would probably uh, recognize that they've heard this expression, uh, where uh, I guess the the idea is the idea that you're getting a sample the next morning by having a small drink, having uh, the hair of the dog that bit you the night before. That's uh, my understanding on that one. Hot to trot. Yeah, there you go, another horse one. Uh, uh, if I'm hot to trot, it means I want to get, get on with things and get them done. And uh, apparently horses sometimes would be uh, in one kind of a gait and uh, they would be anxious to change into a trot gait. Uh, and not having ridden a horse very often, I uh, can't really comment more on that one. We seem to be picking on the pigs, but pig and a poke. <laughs> pig and a poke. That one completely baffles me. I, I think uh, my understanding is if somebody said a pig and a poke, they mean something is really superficial or artificial or, or, or incorrect. Interestingly, I looked up poke, and it's a southern term for a bag or a sack. Uh-huh. For whatever that's worth. <laughs> okay. Horse of a different color. Yeah, the, uh, that uh, is a case of just saying, well, boy, that's not the same thing as what we were talk just talking about. Uh, last time I saw that was in the movie The Wizard of Oz, where they had a horse, a purple horse. And one of the men said, that's a horse of a different color. But that's just another way of saying that's an entirely different story. So don't uh, don't go down that avenue. Go down the one I've got in mind for you. This one seems self-evident, but can't make a silk purse out of a pig's ear. <laughs> who 
whoever came up with that one had quite an imagination. Again, many of these may not be familiar to people today because we don't have as many uh, people in the farming business and the, with the domesticated animals, but uh, obviously somebody at one point uh, pointed out that uh, you've got to have a legitimate product uh, to produce something. You can't just grab something and make it work. You've got to have quality material to work with. This one does require some explanation because I haven't a clue. Monkey's uncle. <laughs> I wish I could help you on that, but that one doesn't come through to me either. I've heard it many, many times. And it's really a, a person of saying, oh my goodness gracious, or wow. Yeah, well, I'll be a monkey's uncle. That means I cannot understand that. It really baffles me, but I'm, or I'm surprised to hear it. That seems sexist. It could be a monkey's aunt that's confused <laughs> as well, but we'll move on. <laughs> Getting my goat. Yeah, that's uh, another one that uh, came from the barnyard, and uh, how it relates exactly, I don't know, but I guess goats can tend to be pretty stubborn. Somebody gets my goat, uh, uh, somehow they're, they're offending me. And uh, I don't like it. This one describes our podcast today. Squirrely. <laughs> yeah, that's one that uh, sometimes uh, is just used to express a set of circumstances which don't really make much sense. <laughs> sometimes uh, squirrels, uh, who are very bright, obviously, but uh, they seem to be in behaving in ways that just are difficult to understand. And this would be true of some circumstances in life. Wolf in sheep's clothing. I think that's pretty obvious. Uh, you uh, would express that to describe a person who appeared to be quite benign, and actually they were hostile. I recently heard a person criticize another individual, another man who seemed kind of wimpy to him, and he said he was really a sheep in sheep's clothing. <laughs> A bit of a twist. Right. A wolf in sheep's clothing also, I think, is analogous to uh, any and all politicians. <laughs> Holy cow. Holy cow. I have no idea where that one came from, and I've probably heard it 10,000 times in my life. Where the word holy gets into things, I cannot say. A holy cow is a little difficult to figure out, but somebody made an expression out of it. and it just It's like saying, Wow. I would bet that originated in India. <laughs> hey, that could be true. Sheepish. Yeah, once again, somebody decided that sheep are kind of uh, backward. Uh, obviously, early on when man first domesticated the sheep, the sheep was pretty hostile and uh, difficult to handle. But they have been, over the centuries, <laughs> since man domesticated the sheep, they have become docile and uh that would explain why a person who really didn't really want to appear too obvious about anything would be considered to be sheepish. One that's heard often in my home, don't badger me. <laughs> I, I can't imagine why that would happen in your home with your domestic tranquility. I have heard it a time or two from someone who thought I was nagging. It's another word for nagging, let's face it, but it's whether it's a nice word for nagging, I don't know. Neither one of them is very nice. And finally, in the animal category, three-dog night. Well, this gives us an international flavor here for our discussion because it's my understanding that uh, 
cowboys in uh, Australia, and they did have cowboys, would, uh, on a really cold night out on the prairie, would curl up with their dog to try to stay warm. And if it was an extremely cold night, they'd get several dogs, and so they'd call it a three-dog night. You don't hear that very often today, but uh, there was a time when it uh, had, had meaning. Our next category I could only entitle, What in the World? That would include, He Went at It with Hammer and Tong. Well, I'm, I'm really uh, hot to trot to get into this category and like to get off the dime and get, uh, get started on this and get on the ball. I got to think four of our words in there that, uh, in that one sentence. Uh, hammer and tongs must have been something in the blacksmith trade in the old days when they had to shoe these horses that were so important. And I'm just assuming that uh, somebody who really wanted to get a job done would go with hammer and tongs, uh, and uh, this would be more meaningful in the past than it is today. That's probably applicable to what we're doing at the moment. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Blindsided. Until you've been blindsided in a serious situation, it's a little hard to understand, but it has great meaning. Someone uh, in a particular business situation, for example, hit you with information in front of your boss that uh, you were not aware of, you have been blindsided. And, of course, it can happen in uh, an automobile situation. Somebody comes from your blind spot and you're uh, on the road and uh, you have an accident. So blindsided can be pretty serious. Either way. You're darn tootin'. <laughs> that one comes out of nowhere, and, uh, and I guess it's going to go nowhere. I've I've heard it many times. I think it was particularly popular in uh, some of the Western movies. You're darn tootin'. I know what it means. It means you're right, but uh, where darn tootin' came from, I'm not sure what a tootin' is. These two I don't normally associate together, but come hell or high water. Yeah, I guess that just means that uh, no matter what happens, whether you have a big flood or whether uh, aspects of uh, the nether regions uh, come to mind, uh, this is a very serious situation. But regardless of how serious and difficult it is, Usually it would be used in the sense of, I'm going to plow through despite how tough it is. Well, speaking of hell, he gave me the devil. I guess that would be fairly obvious that uh, the devil is not known for doing nice things. If someone gives it to you, they're, they're really causing you to be in a very difficult situation. By the same token, give the devil his due. Yeah, that, uh, that one kind of baffles me. I, I guess it would... There are people who would have no problem with that one, but obviously it's a case of saying, well, I'm going to give the, the hard part of this story to you as long with the, along with the easy part of it to give the devil his due. But uh, that probably was more meaningful to people who are more acquainted with the, the subject of uh, religion than I am. This one fascinates me. I have a bone to pick with you. <laughs> Yeah, that means uh, the meaning is uh, I'm, you and I are going to have a problem on this and we're going to have to fight over it. And I suppose it uh, maybe goes back to uh, the days when uh, uh, game was scarce and uh, there was one bone between two people and they had to fight over it. But uh, uh, it, it, again, is one from the past that uh, people do use today. 
success has many fathers. Well, that's one. I'm not sure that's really an idiom, but I threw it in because I, I, I like it so much that uh, the, the whole expression is success has many fathers. Failure is an orphan. And I've seen this happen so many times in the business world. If something goes right, everybody wants to take credit for it. And if something goes wrong, nobody is to blame. Again, the uh, mothers and grandmothers may take issue with that, but <laughs> so be it. And finally, in this category, a flash in the pan. Well, I'll try to keep that simple, but it's left over from way back in the days when the people were using, in warfare, using flintlock muskets. They uh, had to uh, have a, a little bit of powder on a pan with a piece of flint and a piece of steel right at the breech of the weapon. And even though they loaded from the muzzle, when the flint, they'd pull the trigger, the flint would go down, hit the metal, make a flash in the pan, which would then go through a little hole in the breech and set off the powder charge. Sometimes something, it would flash, but nothing would happen and the weapon would not go off. And that became known as a flash in the pan, something that uh, looked great at the beginning, but it didn't accomplish anything. Our next category are words without obvious meaning. The first example being frazzle. <laughs> if anybody knows what the frazzle is, uh, somehow let us know, because I, I cannot imagine uh, what it is, and yet uh, it is an expression of something that's kind of confusing, I suppose. As in worn to a frazzle. Worn to a frazzle, yep. You mentioned earlier, but again, fell swoop. Yeah, that, uh, that's the one that got me started on this because I, I just cannot imagine where that expression ever ever came from. Holy smokes! <laughs> yeah, I, I tried to tie this in with the selection of a new pope by the cardinals. Whether or not that's the case, I don't know, and I, I just did not want to take the risk of uh, giving out misinformation. But holy smoke, I've probably heard that as many times as I've heard uh, okay in my life. Mind in a tizzy. Yeah, this would uh, be something that uh, you'd expect uh, from a group of uh, women having a discussion about something. And uh, I don't mean to be sexist about it, but most men are gonna, not going to talk about a tizzy, but I expect it would be a very popular word among women. And I guess it just means uh, a little bit like the frazzle. Your mind is in a tizzy. You just can't really settle down to a particular subject. I love this one. Dag nabbit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and if you uh, if you can express, tell me what it means. I don't know. I guess it's just another way of saying, "Oh darn." Earlier, you mentioned a metaphor, and I think there is a category of similes and metaphors upcoming. How do you define those? Well, I think uh, my, according to my English teacher, it's fairly simple. If you use picture uh, to describe a particular situation. Uh, a word picture, uh, you were either doing a simile or a metaphor. And uh, the simple explanation that I recall from high school English was that if you use the word as or like, you've got a simile. And if you don't use those, you've got a metaphor. Let me give you an example of a metaphor. A metaphor is, she was a bird in a gilded cage. And you say, what's that? Well, it's, it's like a trophy wife. Her beauty was sold for an old man's gold. That's a 
from an old, old song, even in my parents' time. I did not use the word as or like. On the other, uh, to use, give a simile, uh, he felt uh, just as though he had been in a train wreck after that uh, interview. <laughs> after this interview. <laughs> well, along those lines, in the wink of an eye. In the wink of an eye, obviously, uh, is, is uh, expressing a very, very quick happening. And again, it, it takes a, a moment to understand what you're talking about if you haven't heard it a hundred times before. Picture perfect. Picture perfect. Uh, I guess that's fairly uh, obvious what it means, and yet uh, uh, it, it's easy to understand that uh, normally a person who wants a picture to be just as perfect as it can be, and therefore uh, a, an actual event that it looks that good is fine. Ate me out of house and home. <laughs> this, this I follow, find a little difficult to imagine how that got started, but uh, obviously uh, if somebody came into your home and visited you and, and uh, ate all the food you had, you could uh, describe him that way, or you could just say he was a big eater. He ate me out of house and home. I suspect that's been applied to me in the past. <laughs> all but the kitchen sink. Yeah, there's a there's a good one too. That you anytime you want to express a complete series of events, you can say, "Boy, he threw in everything to that speech except the kitchen sink. He just did not leave any subject out." Poor as a church mouse. I've never encountered a church mouse, but uh, I I guess uh, they probably there's not a lot of morsels of food around, and therefore. A mouse that lives in a church has to learn to live on very little. That's the only thing I can think of, since a church is not a home where we would have food. As opposed to a, a mouse in Buckingham Palace? <laughs> yeah, right. Dull as dishwater. Yeah, yeah. Anybody uh, Today, people uh, don't really have much dishwater for the most part because uh, so many people have uh, machines that will clean their dishes. They don't have to look at the dishwater, but... Anybody who's ever, I go back to the time when I first was in the Army on KP, I was given the job of cleaning, scrubbing pots and pans, and the dishwater was just about as horrible as anyone can imagine, and it was very, very dull. Real peach. Yeah, I guess uh, some people feel that uh, that's a good way to describe a girl. She was a real peach, uh, which I guess uh, meant uh, sweet and uh, very pleasant. Hit the nail on the head. Well, that, that's pretty obvious. If you are making a, giving a talk and uh, you happen to make a point that uh, everybody says, boy, that's right, he hit the nail on the head with his hammer on that one. That's pretty obvious. Stole my heart. <clears throat> well, there you are. Uh, romance is, has to come back into the picture somehow. That's one way that uh, a smitten boy or girl We'll, uh, we'll talk about how the other one stole their heart. Their heart has come to be the symbol of love. Pulling my leg or <laughs> pulling my chain? Yeah, both of those are a case of uh, somebody is aggravating you and uh, pulling uh, your leg would be one way, uh, which I, I don't know why the leg should have been picked out as opposed to anything else. And certainly pulling your chain it's an expression I've heard many times before, sometimes applied to me, and uh, yet I'm not quite sure I figure I can figure out where it came from. 
Saved by the Bell. Yeah, I think probably uh, my uh, understanding of this one is if a uh, fighter uh, in the uh, prize fight is knocked down and is kind of semi out and can't get up before the referee has counted 10, if the round ends at, say, the count of six, he maybe come back, come back to life and will succeed. Whereas if the round hadn't ended with the ringing of the bell, uh, he would have been counted out. So he was saved by the bell. Two peas in a pod. Uh, that's fairly descriptive of uh, two people who uh, are both very much uh, very similar, just like two peas in a pod. Uh, and again, uh, it's an expression that uh, came from somewhere in the past. On my last legs. <laughs> yeah. Anybody who's ever done a lot of running or walk, long walking, they get very tired. Their legs are about to give out, and that's uh, one way to say that their legs are tired. And finally, in this category, and one that certainly needs explanation, sight for sore eyes. <laughs> I would love to be able to explain that. It usually is, is a way of saying that uh, you're really glad to see, see this sight. Where the sore eyes came from, uh, if anybody knows that, uh, let us know, because uh, uh, I'm not sure I understand why a sight for sore eyes is, is a pretty sight. Our next category is simply a miscellaneous one, and it starts with Hell's Bells. No idea where that came from. What does it mean? <laughs> it, it, it's just an expression like, oh, I'm, boy, I, it, it's an expression of not liking something. Oh, Hell's Bells. Knocked for a loop. No, knocked for a loop, obviously. Uh, I don't know how one does a loop uh, uh, unless one is a... Uh, an athlete, but uh, uh, I, it means that you're, you're you're hit pretty hard by some event. Growing up in the South, I heard this one a lot. Don't give a hoot. <laughs> it's fairly obvious where that came from or where, what it means. I, you just don't care. And finally, don't make a peep. Oh, I had a friend in college who uh, told me in later years when he was teaching school, uh, I guess it was uh, probably about a sophomore year of high school he was teaching, and uh, he was having trouble with his class. They were making way too much noise. So he really read the riot act to them, and he ended with one of our many uh, word expressions of this kind. He said, I don't want to hear another peep out of you. And he turned around to the blackboard and started to write, and he heard peep. <laughs> that was, uh, but it just means uh, what it sounds like. Given that we know you're quite the history buff, uh, the next category, reaching into the historical vault, that would include bees knees. <laughs> That's historical from the sense that my mother used it a lot of times. I never did catch a bee to check to see if it had knees, but I always did wonder why that was a an expression, but that was one that she was particularly uh, inclined to use to describe something she really liked. Till the last dog was hung. I have no idea where that came from. I've heard it a few times, and it would be used in the context of, well, we stayed at that party until the last dog was hung. There may have been a time in the past when they would hang dogs at parties, but I cannot imagine. That's a rather uh, dubious picture. 
raccoon's age. Yeah, this was, I have no idea how long a raccoon lives, but uh, uh, sometimes people would say that uh, this just went on for a coon's age. It really went way too long. Cat's whiskers, cat's pajamas, or cat's meow? Oh, quick story on the uh, cat's whiskers. One time I presented to the uh, chief executive officer of my company, who was my boss at the time, a proposal for a program which he had assigned to me, and uh, it had taken a lot of time and a lot of work, and I wasn't sure whether he would like it or not. And he looked it over very quietly, and he looked up at me and said, Bob, that's the cat's whiskers. I had not heard the expression before, and I wasn't sure whether I was about to be fired or was going to get a <laughs> bonus. Fortunately, he had liked it, and that was a word. one of the words he used. Of course, he was older than I was. He used to describe something he really liked. And uh, cat's meow and cat's pajamas, I cannot imagine where they came from either, but uh, there they are. Lead pipe cinch. This must have been an old plumber story from uh, the days when they used lead pipes. And uh, it must be that uh, somehow using a lead pipe was the answer to all problems. That's no longer the case. That's a historical anachronism. No soap. No soap. Okay, that's one that I use many times in my life. I have no idea where it got started, but it just meant it isn't going to work. It won't work. No soap. Hunky dory. <laughs> that one, that one uh, baffles me completely. I cannot imagine where a hunky dory came from. Uh, but it refers to something positive. Yes. Yeah. God's holy trousers. The story on this one is that... Uh, Back, uh, I saw, I've only heard this a few times, and it was all in one occasion, a film called The Man Who Would Be King. And uh, one of the characters on several occasions when he wanted to say, holy smokes or wow, would say God's holy trousers. It's the only time I've ever heard it, but I thought it was kind of interesting. Hot ticket. <laughs> in my day, when I was a youth, that's one way to, we described a girl who was a lot of fun to be with. Maybe girls describe boys that way, I don't know. But uh, a hot ticket was a girl you really liked being with. Along those same lines, hubba hubba. Well, I don't think anybody would have any idea today what hubba hubba means. But uh, back in my day, if a girl looked really nice, we'd say hubba hubba. And sometimes we'd say hubba hubba, jingle jangle, you look good from any angle. <laughs> and finally, jeepers creepers. Jeepers Creepers, where'd you get those peepers? <clears throat> Again, Jeepers Creepers, I, I have no idea. Somebody made it up at some point. It was uh, an expression of wow. Well, that's been a pretty exhaustive list, and I was very impressed, but I felt somewhat challenged to maybe try to think of uh, some examples myself. So let me just present those to you and see if you have any comment. I'm all ears. Harder than hell. No, no comment. Uh, Dumb as a stick. I never heard that one before. Oh, maybe that just applied in my life. <laughs> Fighting like cats and dogs. Oh, good one, good one. Cats and dogs don't get along. Clear as a bell. Good one. I'm full as a tick. <laughs> Quiet as a mouse. Oh, yes, very good. Mean as a snake. Uh-huh. Busy as a bee. Very good. 
The bees with the knees are busy bees. <laughs> Mad as a hatter. Very good. Very good. That, interestingly, I learned is uh, from hat makers in the day somehow involve mercury in their process and mercurial poisoning results in delusions and right. insanity. So right. I think that was the origin of right. that. The last one you may not want to comment on, but I'll present it to you. Cold as a witch's body part. Okay. <laughs> That's a very popular one, which uh, we really didn't get into, uh, particularly there are a number of uh, expressions in the English language which uh, would not uh, bear uh, repeating on the uh, family channel here. Uh, another one occurs to me that uh, the way I would describe it is the south end of a horse headed north. Uh, <laughs> and uh, there are many, many expressions like that, which uh, we, uh, and you brought one along too. Well, again, we think of you as being a master of the English language. And uh, as such, I suspect you have some pet peeves, some things uh, that you hear or read that are disturbing to you, uh, given your high standard. Can you mention any of those to us? Oh, yes, I'd be happy to. There are a few things that uh, do trouble me because I see a deterioration of the use of the English language from the rather pure language that was taught to me back in uh, high school and a little bit in college. One of the uh, one of the so-called pet peeves, uh, and, and, and and I've heard of a professor recently talk about descriptive and prescriptive. Descriptive is the way people are using the language today, and prescriptive is the way the language should be used today. Let me give an example of one that's a little tricky. A, 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 you often hear the sentence of each of them had their own ticket, and each is singular, and they are plural. And what do you have to introduce in to solve that problem? English lacks a third-person uh, possessive plural, uh, just a deficiency of English, <laughs> or singular, rather. And so uh, the only way to avoid that is to say each of, us had, or each of them had his or her own ticket. That solves the problem, but people don't bother with it to any extent anymore. Another one that bothers me uh, these days is that uh, uh, people will uh, uh, use the word criteria uh, as a singular. They'll say the only criteria for that story is, and uh, criteria happens to be a plural, criterion is correct. And the same would be true of the word phenomena and phenomenon. Another example of something that troubles me is uh, further and farther. Technically, farther is distance. Further is, say, I have another, I have a further point I'd like to discuss, and uh, yet you, you see that misused all the time. Another word that gets misused a lot these days is decimate. People use the word decimate to describe a complete destruction of something. And it actually it comes from the, the old days in the Roman times when uh, if a military uh, unit of the Roman army uh, showed cowardice, they would line them all up. And uh, de decum, of course, is a word for ten. They would pick every tenth man and cut off his head. And that got the attention of the other nine, so the next time they went into combat, uh, they did a better better job uh, of, of fighting. So where we often use decimate to mean completely wipe out, in fact, 
That's a misuse. Exactly. It's actually one in ten. Another pet peeve I have, and I guess I begin to sound like an old dud, which I am, uh, is uh, uh, something I've seen many times on a wall, in, uh, especially on cruise ships. I've seen this a lot. They'll say the sign in the men's room, and I presume in the ladies' room, is uh, please do not throw towels in the toilet. Well, what that really means is don't stand in the toilet throwing towels. It should say, don't throw towels into the toilet. But uh, again, uh, the, the, the descriptive is, seems to be winning the battle. Uh, another one that's a little difficult to deal with because sometimes uh, the uh, the wrong way is the only way to do it is the use of a preposition at the end of a sentence. The English teachers used to make a big deal of that, and I actually did it uh, earlier on in this discussion and, and uh, didn't. Uh, call attention to it at the time, but I ended a sentence with the word with, and uh, there's a preposition which I should not have left at the end. And Winston Churchill, who was a master of the English language, recognized that there are times when that just doesn't work very well. And just to make a point, uh, he uh, wrote a note to somebody saying, this is the kind of nonsense up with which I will not put. Uh, obviously, he <laughs> would have put it a different way, but he was making a point. Not surprising that Churchill finds his way into this this podcast. <laughs> One final pet peeve, and then I will retire as a pet peever, uh, is the use of the word you know. Uh, it uh, is commonly used by people uh, as a kind of a connector, and very often it just gets in the way of a good conversation. I uh, have noticed this particularly in people, uh, well, let's say uh, with uh, athletes being interviewed on television. Uh, you know, uh, you know, I want to get, uh, I was uh, running down the field and you know, uh, there were several people after me and you know, I got close to the goal line and you know, I saw the goal line getting closer. It, it just uh, kind of interferes with a good uh, expression. I've heard this so many times. Well, as we work towards uh, a closure, uh, I had a few questions for you. The first one acknowledges that you spent uh, an entire career uh, in human resources, interviewing people for various positions uh, throughout your company, looking at resumes and so forth. I was curious, was grammar or the written resumes of, of candidates judged in your mind from their grammar, their use of word crafting and so forth? Did it have much influence on your impressions in that setting? Probably the, uh, the book answer would be no, but the actual fact is if somebody was ungrammatical or showed a lack of skill in the English language, uh, I would probably t take a negative view. Having said that, I will admit that I hired two or three people who uh, didn't speak a word of English, but uh, we had an interpreter. But for the most part, bad grammar was a downer. Along those lines, and if you could expound at all, what do you feel you can glean from another's grammar, use of metaphors, similes, and so forth? I think I can get glean uh, Imagination. I think it's very important for people to have a level of imagination and metaphors demonstrate imagination. 
being able to have a logical discussion uh, with a person to me was very important. And that's why in the early years, uh, interviewing was something I enjoyed. You mentioned earlier the prescriptive use of our language. Uh, Why is proper use important to you? Well, to me, language is uh, a beautiful way to communicate. It's our best way to communicate. And if somebody, if the language is allowed to deteriorate to the extent that uh, people uh, substitute uh, improper words for words that are more difficult to pronounce, that somehow, uh, to me, is a deterioration which in the long run will show a language which is no longer something of which we can be proud. Well, as one who uh, is constrained to one language and uh, no master of that language, I was curious, are you aware, are there similar excessive use of idioms in other languages? Actually, I've only had occasion to <coughs> take uh, academic training in, to some extent in French and in uh, German, and uh, certainly in French, there I know there are many idioms of that kind. What uh, I learned in German was that the Germans don't, did not seem to have as many idioms uh, in their language, maybe because they are more uh, constrained or more practical, and I'm getting into trouble with this answer. So uh, I'll say, uh, to, yes, I think other languages definitely have idioms of that kind. You may have touched on this earlier, but do you feel that someone's use of analogies, metaphors, similes, and uh, uh, idioms is a more sophisticated form of using the language, or does it simply complicate and muddy the waters of English? Uh, No, I think, frankly, that uh, use of the uh, idioms is a way of uh, expressing yourself eloquently uh, if they're properly used. Some of the idioms, uh, I think, uh, become uh, a crutch on which people lean if they don't know how to express themselves in language. I think idioms are fine, but if they become a crutch to replace the proper use of the language, then I don't think they should be used. My final question is not so much related to the specifics of our topic, but how you arrive there. I know that if I run across an idiom, I might laugh, I might smile, I might think it's appropriate or whatever. But I certainly don't delve into where did this come from, what are other examples which you have done. That kind of deep thinking, is that you think part of your nature Or are you purposely doing this to exercise your mind? I think I have to say it's part of my nature. I've always found uh, the English language to be fun to uh, evaluate. And uh, personally, I like to hear idioms used properly. Uh, I think they help to make the language more colorful. It's when people overdo it and uh, use idioms when they should be expressing the a thought eloquently uh, that I am troubled. Just to expand on that a little bit, uh, everyone has his or her, you notice I didn't say there, has his or her favorite forms of communication and discussion and thinking. It just happens that mine tends toward historical events and English language. 
Other people tend to talk mostly about mathematical uh, events, and other people are, have a brain that's designed to lean toward musical events and, and subjects. And it just happens that mine tends in the direction it does, but that doesn't make me necessarily stand out uh, in any way other than the, uh, the fact that I like history and English. Well, that certainly benefits us. <laughs> Thank you. We hope that you enjoyed today's offering and that we were able to provide a few minutes of respite from the isolation and boredom of this pandemic world. Today's music selection was entitled Blimpy Trance by Kevin McLeod and is available at Incomputech.com. As always, this is your unskilled but determined technician, Mr. Ivy, wishing you well. Darn tootin' it's true that we remain hot to trot for another Hair of the Dog podcast in just a wink of an eye come hell or high water as we invite you back for our next episode of Senior Moments with Bob Johnson.